Hey, 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 what's going on everybody? Mike here with Not Enough Mike's Podcast. How's everyone doing? How's everyone hanging in there? Good, 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 good. Looks like we're, uh, I don't know what to read. I, I, I'm so optimistic, and then I'm pessimistic, and then I'm optimistic, then I'm pessimistic. Uh, so I'm like kind of middle ground right now, but I feel good. Hopefully uh, things subside a little bit and we can get back to quote-unquote normal life. So, coming up. I have Nabil Kareem, uh, former TSN, now just celebrated his year, actually, with um, um, with ESPN. So we catch up. We talk about just a little bit of his career and how he got to where he is now um, and a little bit of his journey. And then we talk about part three of uh, The Last Dance, Chicago Bulls documentary, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't seen it. So we had a lot of fun talking about that. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody for all of the great messages um, and the support. It's been amazing. Uh, I didn't think this has been like two months into this. And I didn't think uh, it, it kind of has taken on a life of its own. A lot of my buddies on here um, got a t- chance to talk, talk with some really cool people, gold medalists, NBA coach, anchors, go to TSN. So it's been really awesome. And uh, yeah, so if anyone's out there, I don't know. If anyone's out there and you just want to fucking do something, just go fucking do it. Uh, I've been pumped to do this. It's something I love. You know, it's not about anything else but that. I'm not making any fucking money off this, but it's been a ton of fun and I get pure joy out of this. So if there's something that you've been kind of waiting to do, um, do it, do it, whatever it is, whatever it is, paint, guitar, learn something, learn a new hobby, do it. It's a ton of fun, and you get so much satisfaction out of it. And uh, the support uh, you receive from your friends is awesome. So enough of that, but I just wanted to say that. So fucking go at it if you got it. Not Enough Mike's Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, on Instagram. If you want to rate this podcast, it helps. Uh, I think we're doing pretty well in the charts. We got a ton of downloads, which is great. Um, go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it, and uh, check me out. Send me a message, say hi if you got any ideas what I want to do. Um, but we're going to have... Part four coming out next Monday, and I got a couple things lined up this week for you. So, thanks as always, and we will talk to you soon. Peace. With my guest from Burnaby, British Columbia, on the best coast, moved to Toronto 2010, started with TSN 2011, and it just, I believe, celebrated the year anniversary at ESPN. He's your host of In the Crease, as well as the replay on ESPN. Nabil Kareem, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good, good, good. We were just chatting about, uh, kind of chatting a couple months ago about catching up and doing uh, this little interview, and a few things have changed since then. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the times really have changed, right? I mean, we were... It's funny, because when you contacted me, I was prepping for a really, really busy time, because we were um, launching the replay soon, and we were doing dry runs for that at night, and, uh, you know, we did a sports center, and in the crease, like you mentioned, that's three things on the go. And then I knew as soon as April came and we were launching the replay on Quibi, um, I was going to be super busy, which I was actually really excited about because, you know, there's a chance to be on three different platforms because I'm still going to be Sports Center and, and in the crease. But, um, you know, like I said, <laughs> we kind of uh, talked about just with COVID and how the world kind of changed. Um, it, it is surreal times, right? It's kind of getting normal, which is, a weird thing to say, but hopefully, um, 
you know, the world can kind of get to a place where, where we need to be right now. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's always nice to kind of flip the, uh, like kind of change the theme a little bit and take your mind off things, talking sports. That's always a good thing. Hey, so yeah. And sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I just agree. I think, you know, and people say, I, you know, I get messages all the time of people talking about what like, oh, we need sports. We do need sports. I mean, again, but at the end of the day, I always say, man, it's so secondary, but you're right, though, at the same time. You look at the last dance or something like that, just where it's not even a live sporting event, and everyone is kind of rallied around it. So I think when sports does come back, when it's the right time for it to come back, you know, in a major way, um, I, I think it's going to be such a great outlet for people. Uh, just, uh, you know, like you said, take your mind off of things and kind of just uh, zone out for a bit and, and uh, enjoy some, uh, you know, high-end athletics. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more. I think you know obviously these a lot of the guys are going to have uh, some time off, but I think the level when uh, when the the leagues eventually get back in, um, what however long that takes, I think the level is going to be quite high because everybody's just going to be ramped up and ready to go. Yeah, I mean the adrenaline's going to be rushing for these guys. I would assume <laughs> yeah. anyway, right? Yeah. Because they're all they're all revved and ready to go, right? Um, as far as I, I think mentally wanting to go, physically that's going to be a whole different thing and. That'll be really interesting for, you know, like the NBA and the NHL and, um, you know, baseball is a little different, I guess, but, you know, for the NBA and NHL, which we're kind of uh, ramping up towards the, the postseason, you know, I think the NBA talked about doing, what, a three-week uh, training camp style thing yeah. um, where, you know, they can kind of get the players into shape. Some of these guys don't even have basketball hoops. They don't have access to basketball hoops, which is kind of, I know, kind of crazy, but it's not. Like, I mean... You know, they might be yeah. super rich. It doesn't mean everyone has a basketball court in their house kind of thing or access to one, uh, you know, near their places. So um, I think Giannis is one of the guys who talked about um, not having a basketball court, um, you know, somewhere nearby. So, like, I mean, that's one of the best players, if not the MVP <laughs> of the league. So, um, right. yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see the level of play that uh, happens when we come back. But regardless of the level of play, I think we will all get adjusted and we'll be just fine with it because, um Again, I think we're all kind of just excited, and uh, we will be excited, I should say, when it does come back. I think it's going to be pretty neat to see how uh, the mentality kind of shifts as we as we figure out uh, dates for these uh, these leagues. Yeah, I cu- I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm excited, but like you said as well, um, it's secondary. Let things uh, let things settle down. But I want to talk hoops with you, of course. I'm I'm dying to talk hoops with you, uh, but I want to get to to that in a second. And I was speaking of worlds change. You just went from TSN down to ESPN. What, you just celebrated your year anniversary? Yeah, yeah. April 30th was one year, Could which you... is mind-blowing, man. It, the year went by so fast. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So what's the big... Yeah, and it's funny. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just you know, I was going to say, like, I, and I put in the post, and, and it's actually true, like, um, my, my wife, got my uh you know my son to to decorate a few things and maybe a couple cards and just these fun little things that uh, you know he loves doing arts and crafts he's a four-year-old and uh, but, but they surprised me and they had some sidewalk talk on uh, you know on our driveway and stuff and, nice. and it was something i thought about obviously coming into april like you're, you know you kind of reassess and see where you're at but just with covid happening and um you know our world changing so much in our industry and just thinking about all the changes that are happening in our industry right now 
uh, he kind of forgot about it. And um, to the past week, when, when they did that for me, I was like, oh my God, like it has been here. I didn't have a chance to just sit back and reflect. That's not something I do too often. Um, but I think it was important to, to kind of just take that moment and just realize, hey, okay, it's been a crazy year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if, like, if you know this my story or not, but like my wife was actually pregnant when I accepted the job and I left and we had the baby and they stayed back. And, you know, we were worried about uh, me missing the birth of, uh, you know, our second child. And wow. uh, then there's, I, I moved within the country a bunch of times, within Canada a bunch of times. I kind of have that down pat, but moving countries um, is a whole different ballgame. And I'm lucky because ESPN, uh, you know, is owned by Disney and, and Disney's got a great relocation team. They take care of everything for you. Um, so it's not like I was doing this on my own. I, you know, you have somebody who is literally taking care of each and every detail for you, but there's still a lot of things you have to do. And so it's just been a crazy year as far as like living away from my family for a few months and having to travel back and forth. And that was difficult with my kids, you know, um, not seeing my son all the time. So, um, just the fact that we made the year, you know, I, I feel like it's gone successful work-wise and I love where I'm at. It's the best decision I've, you know, made professionally, um, so it was, it was just a moment where I think when I'm kind of glad they did that because uh, it gave me a chance just to just to reflect back on, on you know, a crazy 12 months. Yeah, I guess because you're running off the wall generally all the time, aren't you? So it's not, it's, I think it's for you and a lot of other people, just a nice time to collect, collect yourself and uh, collect your thoughts and catch your breath a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And sometimes I think you got to do that. And, and again, like I said, I, I never really look back. Um, the only time I ever look back at my career or, um, you know, kind of where I'm at is when I'm doing things like this podcast and, and, you know, talking to students and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, when they kind of want to know your story, I think that's when you kind of, you know, take a, uh, take a moment to kind of reflect back and, and, you know, give whatever advice you may have. But, um, I think again, it's important at the same time. Maybe I don't do it enough, but, uh, you gotta live in the moment also, right. You know what I mean? You're only pushing every goal driving. Well, yeah. Uh, to, to do more right yeah true enough you gotta always look for it but it's always nice to uh to think about it where you've come so kudos to you for double congratulations for your the one year at espn and then as well as a new child uh within uh within the year as well you just said so yeah a couple yeah. Uh, definitely a, a big year moving over to connecticut yeah it has been uh you know my daughter turned one on june 2nd okay. my son turned five on June 1st. So they're actually a day apart. Oh, okay. Uh, they're four years apart. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, the first, uh, couple days of June are going to be pretty special. And, um, that's no, been great, man. Like, um, the transition, uh, we're lucky. Like Connecticut's not Toronto. It's very different. Right. But, uh, you know, again, for moving within the country of Canada quite a bit, I, I always felt like if you compare where you're going to where you're from, I, I always felt like that was, you know, the wrong approach. Um, for me, it was always about um, kind of being open to new ideas, you know, like a new adventure, basically. And that's kind of the way we looked at it. When and I talked to my wife about this a couple of years ago when I decided that I was going to pursue uh, a job in the States was that, you know, are, are we going to be able to do this? Because if I do get a good offer, you know, we got to go. And she was all in. And I mean, she's been amazing just behind the scenes doing all these <laughs> things that I don't do <laughs> yeah. of everything else yeah. among the kids but um, you no, know, I think we just have an open mind about it and we'll come here and you know we met some great people uh, you know we're really happy in the little neighborhood we're in it's very different like the town we're living in is a place called Avon it's got like 18,000 people or something it's super oh, small okay. wow. um, 
yeah, it's very different from, you know, living in Etobicoke. And so, right. um, it, but it's been, it's been a nice adjustment. Honestly, a lot more family time, a lot less traffic. It, it's a great time in our lives to have made a move like that. You know, if it was a little later on in life or a little earlier in life, it might've been a little more difficult. But, um, I think at this time when, you know, family's the focus, uh, yeah, it's worked out kind of well. That's good. Well, I'm glad the transition goes well because, yeah, because moving is, you know, it's always a pain in the ass, regardless if you have a lot, like you said, you have a lot, oh, of, people, a lot of people in the background, right? But it's always, you you got to move all your stuff. So tell me what this looks like from like an outside looking in. Like, so you're at TSN and then now you're ESP, yeah. ESPN. So how do you find out about these jobs? Are you recruited? Do you, do you search, do you seek these out? Is this kind of one of your goals that you've had? Like, how, do, how does it all come together? So, like, when you get to a level of, like, uh, a national network in Canada, anyway, we're going to speak for Canada right, right off the bat, like, for TSN and Sportsnet, you know, they're not posting those kinds of jobs for, like, SportsCenter, uh, oh. you know, in Canada or uh, Sportsnet Central or Sportsnet Connected or whatever it's called at Sportsnet. It's not on the, uh, it's not so, on the, the cork board in the, in the staff room? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and so they got, they, they got, they got like, you know, their VP of talent or they're, like, a, like a recruiting team and, and somebody who's kind of looking out and, and they're always looking for fresh talent, right? Um, so it's kind of, you're being seeked out. I think networking is so important for anybody who's, you know, in the industry trying to move up. I think there's so many talented people. There's way more talented people than me, uh, that may not ever make it here or never make it to TSN, but, um, maybe weren't lucky enough to be seen. You know what I mean? You, you almost have to create your own luck in a sense where, yeah. uh, networking is just so important with the right people, you know, decision makers. I get people all the time like, Hey man, can you get me a job? ESP? No, I can't get your job in ESPN because, <laughs> Nobody cares what I think, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't have that kind of power. Uh, even when I was at TSN, too, it's like, you can put in a good word for somebody, but at the same time, you want to speak to the decision maker. So I think that was kind of the way TSN came about it. I, was, I networked from, uh, I was in Winnipeg at the time, networked uh, and, and met some people at TSN and CBC prior to that. And that's kind of how I connected and got through because um, I was already on their radar. Uh, for, for ESPN, honestly, man, it, it was never in the cards. Like I never thought about it. Okay. Um, even when I was, uh, in broadcast school, it was always, the goal was always to get like to a major, uh, major market, like Vancouver, Toronto. And if I could get to a TSN, that would have been like the pinnacle. Right. Um, because we, we have, and I think a lot of Americans don't realize it here too, even people at ESPN is that we get limited ESPN programming in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't get any sports center. Uh, you know, American Sports Center in Canada because as soon as the programming from ESPN is done, they go, okay, let's go to Sports Center. It comes to the Canadian version of Sports Center, right? Yeah. So um, that's what I grew up with, and that's where I kind of wanted to be. And so when I got to TSN, that was a dream, man. Like, that was the dream. I made it and kind of trying to navigate your way through it. And I think I was there for like seven and a half, eight years or something. And, you know, at some point, you kind of realize, and the industry is shrinking. Like, that's the way it is everywhere. But especially in Canada, because it's so much smaller, especially the sports industry, was that, you know, I wanted more opportunities. That's what it came down to. I really wanted more opportunities. I wasn't getting what I thought I, you know, could have gotten. Um, and we had lots of talented people there, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I knew I could do more. And I wasn't being given those opportunities. And, and again, things were shrinking. And so I just kind of decided, you know, I talked to, I talked to my wife and, and the United States was another avenue, right? And again, not a lot of Canadians do it, so it's not like a, a, I think there's an easy path to do it, but 
And I talked to some people, John, right? One of the guys I talked to, uh, you know, I talked to Adnan Burke along the way. Right, yeah. Um, so a few different people who kind of gave me some good advice. Um, but honestly, before I really talked, Jay, I kind of talked to over the years about it because of his experience in LA. Okay, yeah. Um, yep. But I wasn't, he wasn't really super serious. And when I got super serious, I kind of talked to him about it. And then, you know, for me, it was just, honestly, um, going a hundred percent for, you know, I, I think in the past where I thought about the States, you know, I like you just kind of have that, especially when Jay went to LA, I was like, Oh, it's safe. Everybody come eat. If you're not all in, it's a really difficult thing to do. And so this, I would, I would say about two years ago, I was all in, I was ready to, to move on. And, and I knew I could do more. And, and that's when I, you know, I redid my demo. I hadn't done a demo in eight years or whatever okay. it was. Right. Yeah. So I redid my demo behind the scenes. You got to do it quietly. You don't want to in front of everybody. So I, you know, tipped off one of our guys, bought him a couple of bottles of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. You know, he hooked me up with all the tape. Uh, great dude. Uh, and, but yeah, so I would be at home and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm like cutting my demo and stuff. And it almost felt like I was trying to find my first job again, right? Like I, I just was just re-energized yeah. and light a fire. You know, a I, bit. I sent, yeah, absolutely. And I sent my, and I, it actually, I should mention this. Sam Mitchell is a good friend of mine. Um, Sam and I would, we did the NCAA together, March Madness. We did, uh, NBA basketball together with the Raptors. And Sam's one of the guys who really, I mean, we would talk about a little bit about, you know, some of my frustrations at times. And, and Sam was just like, man, you got to come to the States. And he's just like, and I'll be like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. But yeah, that kind of thing. You know, it's that mentality of maybe not believing in yourself. And Sam was like, trust me, man. You are. And just kept pumping me up and, you know, just give me all this information. And that's kind of what motivated me really, like really kind of put me over the top. And, and so I, I did this demo, I uh, cut a little piece and I sent it to some network. It wasn't ESPN, it was a different network. Um, and uh, just took some feedback, not to ask for jobs, just some feedback. Yeah. And this VP of talent messaged me back within the week. And again, I didn't have an agent or anything at that time. And just, just the person said, hey, listen, we really like you. You're, like, You're really good. Um, so, we don't have any openings or anything like that, but like, hey, let's keep in touch. And from there, I kind of had, okay, the idea of, listen, I can do this. From there, finding an agent, and from there, uh, the agent kind of starts working with you. And again, that's really important, too. If anyone, you know, is thinking about coming to the States, you got to find an agent who really believes in you because, um, you know, they're ones that will just take you on. Um, and then there are others who are, uh, you know, a, a person that, you know, cares. And it's almost like a relationship and a friendship, uh, in a sense too, because you are working together. Right. And so, uh, I was lucky. I got a great guy in Kevin Belby and, and we, uh, getting Cohen and, and we just went from there, honestly. And then that's kind of how it all started. And then we created the relationship with ESPN. And, uh, I actually, I actually auditioned there a year ago, a year before I got the job. Okay. And again, it was, and it wasn't a thing where it was like, Hey, you're coming down for a job. They're very clear. There's no job. So like we're interested in you. We like you. Let's just see what you look like on set. So I did an audition. I met with like five or six different people. So that's kind of how the process was. And then so over that, time, what I does, kept what does that look like? What does that look like for you when you're going down and doing your uh, uh, audition with like five different five different people? Just different types of sets. Yeah. Yeah. If you go the night before, you go the I went the night before, and, and I didn't sleep much. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was really nervous. <laughs> I bet. Um, and I. I wouldn't say nervous. nervous not, I was nervous in a sense, excited in a sense. You know, it, it was one of those things where you realize, okay, this could be a one one shot deal, right? Like, I, if I screw this thing up, I'm not going back there, right? 
Uh, so I didn't sleep much the night before. We were at a hotel in Bristol and just trying to prep as much as I could. I didn't know what to expect, right? And so came in and it was like an eight hour day, man. It was a long day, man. It was like three to five, five different DPs. Um, the audition itself was only like 20 minutes. So it wasn't very long. But it was more for people to get to know you and, you know, see what kind of person you are and where your knowledge base is at and what your thoughts are about ESPN and, and um, you know, programming. It's, not, it's all just a range of different things, but I think mostly just to get to know you because uh, they wanted to be comfortable that, you know, somebody they could potentially bring down the line is somebody they want to be part of their team, right? So um, that, was, that was basically, it's funny because I took a picture um, the picture I posted when I actually got the job a year later okay. was actually a picture from my audition. And wow. I took that photo there because I wanted to show my son one day. I'm like, hey, I didn't have a daughter at that time. So I was like, I want to show my son. <laughs> and I, was like, I was actually at ESPN one day. Like, you never know, right? You might not get, get there again. And so not many people get the opportunity. So um, I, I just took that picture just in case because that's that iconic sign. And, um, you know, I just wanted to to show him that hey, dad. You know, dad did have an opportunity to at least try out there. So yeah, uh, yeah. It, you know, and it worked out, and you could kind of tell that they were interested because again, that, that VP was uh, continuing to talk to me after and asking me to send more tape, and, and he's really interested. Probably more interested in my current boss at the TSN, where to be honest, like <laughs> as far as giving feedback and so forth. It was great. You know, it was just it was something that really fueled me over the last, I guess, for the next few months because. I was getting this great feedback from somebody at ESPN, um, and I kind of realized, okay, man, they are probably pretty interested. And when things opened up, I guess that's when uh, things got more serious. Yeah, I guess so. Well, when ESPN's in your ear, that's like hearing from the Lakers or uh, or the Yankees, right? You're you're signing up. You're signing up with the best. Yeah, it, t- totally right. And again, it's a little surreal in that sense, um, just because. Again, it was never my. Uh, my goal and my dream to go to ESPN. I kind of TSN was 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 that goal, and so to now, you almost forget sometimes. Like I go to ESPN, and I kind of take it for granted sometimes already <laughs> that, I, that I'm working there. But um, you know, the first few weeks were really cool, really cool when I first got the job, and um, you know, spent some time on the campus and uh, just kind of really soaked it all in because you realize really quickly why ESPN is uh, ESPN. Yeah, I was going to actually, that, that's one thing I really wanted to ask you about. Um, well, yeah, what was that like? What was that like? You're walking around, you're like, how long did it take you to be like, man, like I'm a, I'm an ESPN employee, like I'm one of them now. Like how long did that take? Has it set in? Yeah, no, it's definitely set in now. Of course, uh, yeah. uh, but the first, first few weeks, you're definitely like, uh, you're new. <laughs> you're new and, and it's big and it's intimidating. I think there's like 4,500 employees at ESPN here. Wow. Uh, the campus was like 16, 17 buildings, something along those lines. Wow. It's big. I mean, I'm not even calling it a campus. They call it the campus. So, okay. um, you know, just to find yourself, it's almost like you going back to school. Uh, just because all these different buildings, you got to find your way around. And um, they were great, though, because A, I always had somebody taking care of me, uh, showing me the ropes. They allowed me to kind of shadow for the first three weeks just to kind of understand what they do and how they do it differently and what all the resources are. That's the biggest difference is the resource. They are an incredible amount of resources um, as far as like, you know, research and uh, just, you know, people who are there at your disposal to, um, you know, give you information, help you out, put your, uh, set you in the right direction, right? 
Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things or the biggest differences I, I would say. And, and it's not fair to compare it to anybody else like TSN or Sportsman or whatever. Because it's just it's two different, you know, kind of leagues in that sense. So it's not a fair comparison. It's just the differences that you will see. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, in the first few weeks, I talked to a lot of different anchors and, and again, I didn't know how people would be. I don't really know a lot of the personalities, right? Um, just again, being from Canada, you know, of them, yeah. you know, don't see them that much. So, you know, I had people reach out to me and give me great advice. And, you know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, feeling like you're part of the team while well, sitting with Scott Van Pelt. I mean, I would never fill in for his job or anything like that, feeling because. Scott does his own show, but they're like, oh, sit with Scott's show and just see how they do things, right? Just, again, a chance to observe and learn from a guy like Scott. Wow. Amazing. Okay, I'll go do it. And I sat there, and at the end of the show, I just, you know, thank him and just, you know, whatever. And uh, he gave me a few advice. He said, hey, listen, it was something along these lines of, like, hey, you're part of the team now, man. You're, you're on the roster. Just be you. Don't change. Don't try to be anybody else around here because they, they brought you in for a reason. Just continue to be yourself. You know, you're one of us kind of thing. And so... I think that was really great advice, kind of calming advice. Um, and that's kind of just the way it's been here since I've been here. I just try to be myself, not trying to be like anybody else. And uh, I think that's that's what got me here. Yeah. Like Scott kind of mentioned, that, you know, why change now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Well, you seem like a, you seem like, you know, obviously I don't, I don't know you, but like I see on television, you know, you said yes to doing this interview and then just chatting with you now, like you, just some of the things you said, you like, you seem like a very humble guy and then you've, now you've created these goals and uh, you've manifested it, but also having a guy like Scott Van Pelt. And then as you mentioned before, like Sam Mitchell in your corner, that's got to give you a lot of confidence to know that, yeah, you're really doing the right thing. Sam's, Sam's funny too, because when I <laughs> called Sam to tell him that I got the job, um, he was uh, the assistant coach at Memphis uh, at that time. Okay. Uh, and Penny Hardaway was coaching the assistant coach last year. And I think they just got knocked out of a tournament. And uh, I called him and you know, kind of down. I'm like, hey, Sam, sorry, man. Like, I just wanted to tell you this. just wanted to thank you and, you know, whatever. And he just lit up. And the coach of him just came out, right? And he was so excited. And, you know, he had all these great things to say. And I can't say so. I want to just give Sam cusses a lot <laughs> and uh he seems like a beauty guys, Him guys, and jack make... armstrong seems like just like absolute beauties yeah <laughs> yeah it, yeah but people thought people thought when i was in Mark Madness with him they thought like he hated because we'd always kind of go back and forth at each other and he made fun of me a lot yeah, yeah. but that was like a, a thing we just had like we knew it was fun right like it was it was fun for us it was kind of, we like joking around uh and it was kind of fun tv when sam would pick on me um but no, he, uh, it was really cool to, to hear him and how genuine he was. He was really happy, and we've kind of kept in touch about it since. He checks in on me, and uh, you know, I really appreciate that because I just came out of nowhere where we kind of developed a, a friendship. And, uh, yeah, it is nice to have somebody in your corner, people who believe in you, right? Because this, this industry is very subjective, right? Like I said, a lot of people are way more talented than me. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, Right place, right time. You know, you kind of create your own luck in a sense. Um, but you're right. Like to have somebody who's kind of going to push you, who's kind of been there and done that, uh, is really, really helpful. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. Well, and man, and like when you're when you're hanging out like with your buddies or you're talking sports, like usually you're, there's a lot of making fun of each other. So that usually goes. Uh, yeah. That, that usually plays pretty well. I remember watching you guys on on, uh, on television as well. You guys are you guys are fantastic. The banter was great. Just kind of reminded me of just hanging out with my buddies and just chirping each other. But that's the way it should be. <laughs> right? That's the way it should be, man. Yeah. Like that's the best TV, and like I don't think there was enough of that at times. No. Oh, uh, you know. I agree. I agree. It's like the, yeah. the old fashioned argument. What happened? Like what happened to that? Like I like, I, I like to get into disagreement about something because I love if I feel passionate about something, but somebody can convince me and change my mind. I love that. Or if I can change somebody else's mind or at least bring up some facts or hear some things that I've never heard before. And it's like, it's okay to disagree on some topics. Yeah. And I think it's okay to have fun too. And like, you know, I, I think, we were lucky. We had a cool producer, a uh, guy we call Hambone over there at CSN, and he's a young guy who <laughs> understands basketball. I understand. His nickname is Hambone. <laughs> and so like, everyone knows him since Michael, but we call him Hambone. And, and uh, you know, we under, he understood that too. And so we, were, we had this bond. We were able to do that. And we had fun stuff. And we put up, you know, some Photoshop things here and there. Just, just, just having some fun, man. It's, it's basketball. We're doing like 12 hours a day. Like, and, and so let's just have some fun with it. And if we mess up, let's have fun with that too, because it's going to happen, right? Like live television, things happen. And I think that loose mentality for everybody uh, made the show so much better. You know, if one of us messed up, the other guy would jump on the other guy, you know? And so I think that kind of gave that buddy mentality like you're talking about, like what you and your boys would do. I think that's just, it becomes comfortable TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think it relates to more people that way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It definitely, it comes across. It comes across as, as great. I think that's why... You know, everybody loves Charles Barkley. That's <laughs> just kind of case in point with him. It's just yeah, and those guys do it the best, right? Like they they've created that. They they've created and allowed other people to kind of uh, mimic their style in a sense. Like they have, I mean, their their personalities and what they do is, is just absolutely incredible. And um, you know, there's only one Chuck, but you know, it, there's so many different other uh, panels now and, and yeah. hosts and analysts that kind of are creating their own thing, which is cool, right? Like that's the way it should be. You don't want to be the NBA and TNT guys because there's only one of those. So you can be your, you know, you can develop your own identity, right? And um, that's just different in, in different sports and, and different personalities. And so I think that there's room for everything, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, yeah, you just always, you know, steal a little, a couple ideas, but make it your own. So now, so you're talking, so you have yeah. a great relationship with Sam Mitchell. Like, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the last dance here. Does he have any good MJ stories, or do you have any MJ uh, any MJ stories? I do not have any MJ stories. Okay. Uh, I have not been fortunate enough to, to interview Michael or kind of be anywhere uh, really around him. To be honest. <laughs> My wife asked me, MJ, have you seen him live? I don't know. I never saw him live, okay. unfortunately. Um. Sam has some stories. I probably shouldn't tell Sam stories, but uh, <laughs> no, Sam's got some stories. But uh, I probably, I probably shouldn't tell Sam stories. Yeah, no, I could, I could so imagine. I, I, yeah, I probably, uh, and, and I probably wouldn't do it justice either. The way Sam tells the story, that's that's half the, that's half the battle right there. That's, uh, <laughs> the way he can pull off the story is pretty special. But yeah. um, no, I mean, I thought the last dance I mean, so far has been incredible, and I'm not just saying because it's the ESPN thing, like it's been incredible like i'm learning i'm learning things about obviously i think we all are kind of they're opening the curtain here a little bit and there's things you kind of go back on that you know of but you might have forgotten right like and and it's just been great i think um 
hitting on so many notes in the last two episodes where they kind of now are showing up some of the warts, you want to call them warts, that Michael Jordan had, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that wasn't all, it was all positive up to this point. Uh, and then now you're kind of seeing some of the things that Michael had to deal with. You know, I'm, you talk about fame, and you're talking about the whole gambling issue and not talking to the media for two weeks. I totally forgot about that. You know, there's all these sorts of little things that were happening in these last two episodes that I thought were very good and kind of made Michael a little more relatable than, um, you know, just a god, you know? And so, because we would all, because we would all think, man, seeing Michael Jordan is probably the greatest thing in the world. And it, it is probably awesome being, you know, the greatest basketball player of all time, being uber rich and being famous. But I guess that whole fame thing, like you hear this from a lot of different people, a lot of different types of celebrities, right? That when you lose your privacy uh, and you can't go out, you feel, I mean, you feel shot with Michael. It's crazy. And this is before Twitter and Instagram and everything. Um, yeah. uh, you think, I mean, I can't imagine the kind of life. Yeah. Like, do you think like there? Yeah. Cause everywhere he walked around, it seems he looks like, like a boxer going out to the ring. Like he's just surrounded by everybody all the time. He's got his on, not his entourage security, whatever you'd like to call it. But so, you know, back then, uh, especially around that time, it's like after OJ, the reality TV starting to, to take, take shape. Um, celebrities are becoming that much more famous. And of course, Jordan was arguably the most famous person in sports and definitely across North America. Now, do you think like the media was a little bit more challenging then or now? Well, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think, I think the media back then had more, of uh, a defined say in, in, in the narrative of what is, what's happening, right? Yeah. Because you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have Instagram, you didn't have blogs back then. I mean, they, I guess towards the end of Jordan's career, you probably did, but like, they didn't have that much influence. Like now we have all types of media platforms that are able to cover a game, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, all types of influence because there's certain people, um, you know, uh, on Twitter who maybe don't have a, a journalism background, but still have a big following and, you know, are now, you know, covering the sport in a different way with a podcast, whatever. Um, so I think back then, you know, the information only comes from a certain, uh, certain group of people. Maybe it was more difficult back then. I, I don't know. That's, I think there's different ways to look at that, um, from today and then back in the day. I, I would think with today though, it's a lot more difficult uh, as far as information being correct, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. sure back in the day there was that that issue, but now I mean everyone's got a voice. Like I was back, everyone's got a voice. And yes, a lot of these people are credible. And most people are credible in any sense, but like um there are people who are not and you can get up or just sources say or, you know, you can throw anything out and it almost feels like these players have to defend themselves at times when it's probably unfair, you know, in a sense where um if somebody's irresponsible online and throws something out there and it kind of catches fire because it's, you know, salacious enough, um, you know, that could be a problem for a player these days. So I, I think there are different ways of looking at it for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've been thinking about this for a long time and, you know, I continuously think about it with just different athletes and like the exposure, you know, you just wonder where all the gambling would have gone on social media and how far, yeah, like I agree now, like back, I feel like there's so many outlets now that there's not enough stories and they're just a lot of the times, like, as you said, like sources say, and a lot of making up uh, of the stories, whether it be a guy on Instagram or a guy on Twitter, or you have um, a well-known, um, a well-known anchor, Scott Van Pelt, maybe saying something on Twitter. There's definitely a lot of uh, different avenues to get it. 
but you got to even have a guy yeah, like, I mean, like Bob Ryan, like for the Boston Globe back in the eighties, when he wrote a story, he was like, he controlled the, the entire narrative. It seemed. Yeah, no, for sure. There, there, I mean, there were some giants back in the day, right? Yeah. Uh, as far as media is concerned. And, um, I mean, like, look at today's day and age, look at these athletes. They're like, they can't really go out at times. Um, and, and they can't enjoy, I got some of their, uh, you know, kind of enjoy themselves at times as much as they would like to, like guys did back in the day. I hear some stories of players who used to play or now retired mm-hmm. and the things they would do back then, there's no chance they could do now. Mm-hmm. No chance because somebody can just take a video, post it on social media and then you're done. You know what I mean? And times have changed too. Times have evolved. So we got to, uh, you know, we're all growing um, as a society. So I think you know, take that into account too. But yeah, you're right. Like there, there's just different, ways of looking at that question. It's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure which, which would be more difficult, but I, I do think the whole social media aspect is would kind of have me leaning towards today's athlete having it a lot harder. Like LeBron James is a really difficult, I would say, uh, just because there's always an opinion about LeBron James, whether he likes it or not. Um, there's always somebody talking about LeBron James to you know, be trending. Yeah, I could, I could, I couldn't imagine, you know, because I have my job where, you know, if I have to be on for twelve hours a day, you know, I come home, I'm exhausted, and I'm just a regular, I'm just, I'm just a regular dude. And then you have yourself, that you know, you're in the spotlight. You have to be, you know, Nabil. You know, I'm sure a lot of the times you have to be on, and then you take it that step higher where you're the most famous, perhaps, person in the world. Like I don't, I don't know how you live in that bubble. That's got to be a huge challenge for any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think either of us can relate. Like, and even like <laughs> no. famous famous people who are like no, but even even like some some athletes who are, who are famous, they can't if they can't relate to Michael Jordan. I mean, yes, or like a LeBron James. I guess now, then I mean, there's no way we could we could guess. But I mean, come on, it, <laughs> their lives are just so different. And, and Michael's at such a different sphere. It's so that's why I think Last Dance has been kind of cool. And just to hear MJ like swear is awesome for me. Like I just love it. Like I know he's a <laughs> He's a trash talker and stuff, but just to hear him do it openly and um, be honest about some of the things he has been, I think it's been, I think it's been great. I couldn't agree more. It's funny because I'm I'm doing this as a I don't know if I mentioned to you, a running diary. So this is part part three of it, of course. And that's what I said in the last episode. I was like, yes, just to hear him say fuck. Pardon my language, but like, yeah. just to hear him say it because you know that's what we want. We want this authenticity um, from our from our players, and then we're getting this. And I've been just super happy and pleased about how authentic um, and how candid it's been. And even, uh, what was it, Doug Collins, where it's that old quote, just give the mall to Michael and everybody gets the bleep out of the way. And then he finally said it. I think yeah. I've probably seen that clip 50 times, and this is the first time I've actually heard him swear. Uh, what else, what else uh, yeah. stuck out to you? Uh, there. So we're talking about his, his gambling. We could go on a, actually a little bit more with his gambling and hanging out with some shady characters. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's one thing that's always kind of been the rumor around Michael, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting that you know he, he definitely didn't sway away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Michael's got a big say in the doc, right? Uh, and so you know he addressed it. Um, you know, I've got him. Um, not backing the, the political candidate back then was was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and really getting into that, and, and he didn't back away from that either. And he was he was very blunt about it. He goes, "Listen, that that wasn't part of my um, energy back then." I think I think, I think it's the, the term he used. My, my energy was all focused towards mm-hmm. basketball. I wasn't a political activist. Um, and so you know what? You know, there's so many different ways that can go. Um, in a way, I, I mean. It's, 
kind of nice just to hear him say whether you agree with him or not. I'm not saying that, but it's, he was honest about it. Even with Republicans don't uh, Republicans still lie sneakers to me, right? That's the other line too, right? That's right. Um, and for him to finally come out, I mean, he's, for years now, people said he said that, um, and that's the one line that stuck with him since that book. Um, but for him to come out, so yeah, I did say it. He did now. He mentions that he says it with Scotty and I think Horace on the bus. Um, so he kind of said it in jest, but who knows, right? Like, it, but but he did admit to saying it. So um, I just thought some of these things were really interesting in this episode. I mean, the Kobe Bryant thing off the top for me was was kind of cool too. And the director was on um, Jalen Jacoby. They do an after show on ESPN. Okay. And he was talking about talking to Kobe. Uh, and it was really, it was just really cool. Cause he like, he met Kobe and, um, Kobe didn't really give him a lot of answers right away. Like he had to work for his answers. He thought Kobe might throw away a big MJ fan going up and had all the sneakers. Well, actually that's not the case. Cause he threw out a question about that. And he goes, actually, no, I was a magic fan and I was in Italy, so I didn't have Jordan. But, you know, like these sorts of things where yeah. he's, he thought he was going to get these great clips, but he had to work for it. And then when he did get that clip that, uh, you know, Kobe did come up with, you know, you could see that how special it was. And then me and I, we're now learning about that relationship between him and him and Michael Jordan after MJ, uh, you know, had that beautiful, uh, eulogy at it, um, you know, at the Staples Center. So I think that's one thing that uh, definitely stuck out to me too. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That was great. Uh, right off the start where they're at, uh, what was that? MSG. Uh, the All Star Game. What do you call him? Yeah. The little Laker boy, and he's just chirping him. He's like, Laker boy. He's like, yeah, if he, if and he I love sh- how they set that up. Yeah, ah, it's so it's so good, and you you could just really tell because it just seemed like well, a couple things there first. Like, you could tell that Jordan had a. You could see him having that 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 respect uh, for Kobe, Kobe even at a young age. But then one thing that was also funny about when he was talking. He just looked like a like he's their he's a lot of these guys peer. You see Tim Hardaway. I think he saw Sean Kemp, and these guys are just all staring at him in awe while he's talking in the locker room. Like you just saw superiority with Jordan, just anywhere he went, and just how alpha he was as well. Don't you? And I wonder, and I wonder how much of that. That's a great point. And I wonder how much of that was those guys kind of being quiet, knowing that this was a camera crew following Jordan. Yeah, you know, I wonder. Um, I wonder how much that took out of the locker room as far as just guys being natural. Um, and that was a small clip, but I, I, and this stuff is fascinating to me. So this has been sitting there for what, 23 years or yes. whatever it is. Um, and it's such candid footage and I'm sure we're not going to see a lot of it, but um, the, the stuff we have seen so far, I mean, it's peeling back the curtain. It's unbelievable. Like this is what we do not get. And this is what every fan wants. And you're getting it from the greatest player of all time. So, uh, it's been really, really cool. Just, I mean, once this thing is done, I'm going to go back and rewatch it all over again just for the stuff that I missed because there's so much to take in. Oh, it, it really is. There's so much that, you know, when I was, uh, when we were talking about this and watching, I took notes and I have about eight different pages. I'm going, there's, <laughs> there's so much to, uh, to unpack. Um, yeah, there's even the sneaker, there's all the sneaker stuff too, right? Like, like, we knew about that. That's kind of been out there that, you know, Jordan was going to go to Diaz, but like, just again, to reiterate that. And then you talk about, man, how how big that could have been for Adidas and like, did that guy fired or what? Like, you know, it's just, it's really interesting to see how things work. Like learning that his mom made him go, uh, to that Nike meeting, like, his mom's a real MVP here, right? Like, because otherwise you're wearing Adidas, who knows on that be, right? It's so true. But, um, 
one of the greatest what ifs. That's, uh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And so, um, and you know, the secret culture, what Michael Jordan did for the culture, um, you know, for basketball and, you know, integrating like hip hop and, uh, just, just so many different things. Um, He's just cool, man. He's still a cool guy. He just sits there, he's got his drink, his cigar. He's still really goddamn cool, man. That's just, that, uh, that's just, there's nobody cooler in the world than watching Michael Jordan play basketball. Like, I love LeBron. And, you know, this whole debate that we can talk about, it's splitting hairs. I think I don't even think LeBron's number two. I think he's 1B. But I I, I don't think it's a, uh, a a debate. When you really crunch it crunch it down, I don't think it's too much of a, uh, a debate. But anyways, that's a whole other, that's a whole other, uh, that's a whole other topic. One other thing that uh, stuck out to me was uh, the soundtrack. I am digging the soundtrack. Well, oh my goodness, it's been amazing. Well, they have not. I think Nas came on. Uh, they had the Outcast when they were doing the Atlanta. Uh, Rosa Parks, yeah, Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, and then some Black Sheep. <laughs> Black Sheep as well. It's been is, fire, man. The whole the whole thing has been absolute fire as far as the soundtrack is concerned. And so the director, and this is from him coming from him on Jalen Jacoby, which I just find okay. fascinating. You should check it out, man. I think you'll find it fascinating too, yes. kind of doing what you're doing. Uh, but with the director, the guy who's you know sitting with MJ for all these hours and sitting with all these guys. Um, he basically said he wanted to keep the music true to the time. Mm-hmm. So even like right off the top, I think it was Can't Nobody Hold Me Down on the first episode, right? Mm-hmm. With Puffy and, 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 and Mace and Biggie and those guys. Um, so he, he's trying to keep it true to the time. So what song would you, what song what, uh, would you have heard of that, uh, that period, you know, when, when it was going on? So he's just done such a great job of integrating that. And it just brings back more feel too, right? Like a lot of this is nostalgic for a lot of people. And, um, even for the young guys who saw Jordan towards the end, like in a YouTube out, and then you got like, you know, the older, older cats who, who will remember a lot of this, the music will bring you back into it also. Right. Like I haven't heard Rosa Parks in so long. And, and I think about that and then the Atlanta uh, connection and, it's just been beautiful, man. It's just really well done. It really does. It's a little fabric. It's just sewing all the fabric together of this delicious, uh, delicious dock. Now I was talking to Cabby and I was uh, asking, he's like, and he, uh, I had a question for you about, uh, if your shoe collection has grown over, uh, over the isolation. Has my shoe collection grown? Yeah. Yeah. He was asking, he was, uh, he was checking to see if your shoe collection has grown. No, you know, I tried to buy the Jordan ones yesterday. Yep. Not gonna lie. Um, sold out. Sold, sold out. Sold, so, sold out everywhere. I was, yeah. I, was, I know, man. And so I was telling my wife, I was like, man, like, I gotta buy a pair. Like, I don't have, I didn't grow up with a lot of Jordans. Like, that's one thing, like, you know, they're expensive. And, and, you know, my parents were always like, nah, it's too expensive. And so I got my, it's no joke. I got my first pair of Jordans when I was 35. Okay. And I bought them for myself. And so, so it took me a little while to get into it. Uh, not that I didn't love them. I just never got them. Um, and uh, as far as the shoes anyways. And so with my son, I was like, as soon as I, I knew I was having a boy, I was like, okay, this guy's going to have the sickest kicks no matter what. <laughs> and so I kind of lived through him and he's had, oh, dude, he probably had at least 10 pairs of Jordans, which is a little, a little <laughs> stupid also at the same time. But, but, but I'm getting them at a reasonable deal. So I, like, I'll, it's funny because I'll buy them, like even if it's size, Two sizes too big, but it's a good deal. Cause I'm like, okay, that's a good deal. It's a nice one, and uh, you know, he wore him down the line. So he, he's kind of been spoiled in that sense. He has no idea. 
Yeah. Uh, well, he knows what Jordans are. And he knows Michael Jordan's Space Jam. That's the Michael Jordan he knows. Like, I bought him a Space Jam jersey. Right. Um, because that's how he knows Michael Jordan. So he's kind of learning about, you know, Michael Jordan. I'll tell him he's the best player ever. And he's like, really, Dad? I'm like, yeah, he's that good, man. So, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. So we'll start watching a little more. Uh, and yeah, this doc's a little too heavy for him, but, uh, uh, you know, do a little more YouTube over the summer for sure. Yeah. I love it. I love how, what he says as well. He's like, yes, I'm a massive brand. He's like, but none of this happens if I don't win ball games and if I don't produce on the floor, which I, which I love. And it's so true. Like, you know, everybody, a lot of the times they, they know about Jordan, they know about the shoes, but oftentimes you don't right. know if you truly know what he did on the court. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think towards the end, he was even saying, <laughs> go back and, you might not want to be a role model, right? Like, or yeah. create this image of a role model because it's so hard to live up to. And it was so exhausting for him, right? But like, that was part of his campaigns, right? And that was part of his commercials and the whole imaging, right? And um, it's interesting. Like, I I would have never known that about Michael Stewart. I would have always thought he's super happy with, uh, you know, everything he's had in that sense. But, guy's human like just like everybody else right like we all go through struggles no matter you know, how rich you are famous you are you know where you are you're standing in life we all go through human emotions and uh michael jordan obviously is no different yeah true now what i think he said something along the lines like if you don't like what i'm doing then maybe i'm not the guy that you should be looking at uh to be or your role exactly model. yeah but i like exactly one, one thing that he was always great at is i feel that even before this documentary is that he's always a master with the media it always seems like he's really controlling the narrative. Like, for example, even before this came out, he's like, I think I'm going to be portrayed as an asshole. Like, I think he he put that out there. He was uh, on purpose just to kind of soften the blow a little bit. But he knew exactly what he's doing. I you agree. Just, you, see his, you see these conversations that he's having with the media. He gives them the, their time. He keeps them laughing. Or he cuts them off if he needs to. But I'm not sure if there's a better you would know. Maybe you can elaborate on perhaps who you know might be great with the media who might not be great, but I think he's got to be an all-timer, right? Yeah, I mean, again, like, I haven't interviewed him myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't in the industry back then, but, you know, seeing what I've seen of him, um, again, through his doc and uh, what you've seen over the years and interviews and things he's been done after, um, you know, retirement, he's really polished. He's super smart. Um, and, and, again, you're seeing this in the doc and his prime, he was just able he was able to, you know, make media members feel good. And, and mm. there was something about that. I don't know if it was in this last episode or not, but, you know, he could go out there and he's just got this charisma to him, right? He does. So um, and he would, he would, yeah, they would ask the same questions, but wouldn't get any answer. But it kind of felt like they got something because he just gives off this really cool vibe and warm vibe. Not, well, it seemed like for most of the time until he got into a little spat with them. But LeBron James is really good at it. LeBron James is very very good at media and um, I think he's just gotten better over time but right now he's I mean there's nobody like him I think as far as you know owning a room LeBron owns the room yeah. and there's um, there's a certain level of uh, I don't know what word is for it is but he just he owns it you respect what he's going to say um, and, they're, and you're almost like waiting on every word yeah. And if you notice, LeBron is one of the rare guys, and not most guys do it. But if you kind of go back a few years, and I, I look back at like the press conferences in the playoffs, and again, this is just the media nerd in me. But like most guys would just sit at the podium, and then they have the mic on the mic stand. LeBron 
few years back, started taking the mic stand, uh, the mic off the mic stand. And kind of, and it sounds so silly for somebody who's kind of not in the industry, but like, I noticed this guy said, why don't we just hold the mic close to him and have it in his hand? And it just felt like he had more command. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you see guys do it all the time. Draymond does it. Steph does it. All going to do it. Interesting. Um, and not really need to do it. Like, it's the thing on the mic that I'm right in front. But he's able to grab that mic. He leans back. He's got it. You know, it's just it's a different demeanor to me anyway. It's a body language thing. Um, and again, I, I think LeBron just, he just knows how to own the room, get the laugh when he needs to get the laugh, but also, um, you know, put out the message that I think, you know, he wants to put out at times. Yeah. And I think that when it all comes down to even on and off the court for these greats, it's all about those little things, isn't it? Just as you pointed out, I think that's really cool. I've never, I guess I have noticed it, but not in that respect. I think that's a great point. It's uh it's very true. And it doesn't, yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem like he wastes a lot of words and you're kind of hanging on and, I think if you were to, you were aliens coming from a from a different planet and you were to lock in on a basketball court and you saw LeBron James playing, you would know immediately that that that, that person is special if you've never watched a basketball game in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, what was I going to look at here so, with the comfortable? So I wanted to so. With with regards to that, who with regards to like people and media availability here, is there anybody that's known like within the NBA that's the best? Who's like with the best? We could talk about hockey as well. Like who's some of the guys that are just really the best and make themselves available? I mean, like hockey guys generally are really really good. Tortorella, um, you know, <laughs> Tortorella is an interesting guy. I was actually covering the Ranger. Devil series when he was really at like the height of his uh, <laughs> his character, I'll say. Okay. Um, you know, Toro, by the way, by the way, I think mean, he worked for TSN for a little bit, and um, from all accounts, is actually a really nice guy, uh, really good dude. He's just really intense. Um, and during that time, it was just a weird period uh, where he, I don't know, kind of got into a very intimidating state, and it was just a bad situation. Honestly, it was very uncomfortable. But. Um, yeah, and especially for someone like myself who doesn't cover the team all the time, but between the beat writers themselves, it was, it was a weird time. So uh, I'd probably go like, if you go basketball, like I would say DeMar DeRozan was great. Hmm. DeMar was such a good guy uh, in Toronto, and he always, win or lose, you know, he'd always be answering the questions. He didn't duck the media. He didn't give you attitude. Uh, you know, he would come out and answer the questions. So I think like DeMar had a lot of respect from the media. Um, in Toronto, I think around the league too, he's, he's really well known as a guy who's thoughtful and, and respectful, understands and he has a job to do. NHL, it's like there's a whole bunch of guys. Like in NHL, guys, you're not going to get some of the greatest answers at times, and that's not because they don't have personality. I think that's a misconception. They don't have personality. Uh, it's just kind of the culture of hockey, right? Where it's like yeah. team first. You're not really getting a lot of praise, uh, or you're not pumping on your own tires. Um, but most of the NHL guys are great. Like they're going to be available to you. And, and uh, one specific guy, I don't really know off the top of my head. I would think in a group, you could do a bunch of those guys in a group because they're pretty good. Yeah. About I would say like, I guess I go back early in my career, I would say the Sedins okay. in Vancouver were, they were incredible. They're absolutely incredible. I'll give you one example. In 2011, uh, there was, uh, before game one of the Stanley Cup final, I was working for CBC and, doing the morning show and uh, I came down and they had this uh, set up at UBC like a press availability basically before game one so the, the day before game one 
And so he's already up there for like 25, 30 minutes. He's done. He's walking out. And like there's hundreds and hundreds of people here. And he's walking out. And I, by chance, pulled him over right before he's about to leave. And I was like, hey, man, do you mind getting a quick one-on-one like CBC? And he was nice enough to say yes. And he's already done with media. So I'm like, oh, it's amazing. Camera guy's like, okay, let's go. And we go. So I would say about 45, 50 seconds into the interview, camera guy's like, cut, guys, like, something's gone wrong. And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, uh-huh. So I looked at him and I said to him, I said, hey, man, you can, I'm sorry, like, you can go. Like, I know you've been here forever. Like, thank you for, you know, at least uh, taking the time. He's like, no, I'm good. Let's finish the interview. And then from there, we just, you know, just talked for a couple minutes because we had to set things back up again. The camera was fixing the camera. I'd say, yeah, almost close to two minutes, maybe, which is a long time when you're stalling for somebody <laughs> he's never met before. It's not like we have a relationship. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm one of his media guys. Uh, and I was, I always respected that. And I told him that once, um, uh, I think it was like the 2016 world championships or something. Sweden had just won. Uh, and, you know, we're interviewing him after and, and I told him that and he, he laughed, but, those two guys are two of the most respectful guys in the world. So if you got to pick up athletes, I would say the Daniel Hendricks are probably the nicest guys I've met. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's great. And just like you, man, you've, uh, you've made yourself available to me. So I, uh, I really, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we're almost at an hour here, so I want to, no yeah, I really, this has been a, uh, a great shot and I really appreciate it. I love John, John sports. He seemed like a, a great guy. So this is, this is great. I'm pumped. So, I got a few questions for you. Is that cool? Before we uh, we get out of here, yeah. Okay. Who did? Who do you think Jordan robbed the most of a of a title of everybody he played in the finals? So we got obviously Malone, Stockton, Barkley, uh, Ewing. Does oh, Malone, Malone, Stockton. Yeah, Malone, Stockton. Those things are really good. Uh, I wouldn't say like the bad boys and those guys because they would already won a couple. Yeah. And then you even heard them on on his doc talking about uh, they're kind of on their way down. Uh, the Knicks, maybe those teams are pretty good, but Malone and Stockton, I mean, they're just Hall of Famers there, and that team was fantastic. So I'd probably go those two. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, with Malone, I think if even if Malone gets one, if, even if he wins that title with the Lakers, I think we look at his career completely different. If he gets one, he maybe goes down as the best power forward of all time. I don't know. Maybe maybe he needs two for that. Obviously, that's uh, him and him and him and Duncan. Yeah, and no, I, I still think even if, if he wins one, he's, he's not ahead of Tim Duncan. Tim nah, Duncan's the power forward all time. Yeah, yeah, Duncan. Yeah. That's true. That's I'll, my guess. I'll, I'll, I'll put him second behind Duncan for sure. Who? Uh, uh, of course, we know that the hockey might come back, basketball might come back. But who do you think? Uh, who do you think wins the cup if it gets? Uh, who is who is your favorite to win the cup? Well, the NHL has got so much parity already. Yeah. And then now it's like a crapshoot when these guys come back and depending on the tournament style, what are they going to do? How are they going to play it out? I I still like Tampa Bay a lot. Yeah. I think Tampa has a ton of options. I know I'm not really going out on a linear, but Tampa Bay, I think they were embarrassed last year in the playoffs. Um, and depending on, I guess, how they look when they come back, I like the depth they have on that team and I like the goaltending, so... Um, I would say Tampa's probably got a good shot. What did they go? Out to, they went in first round last. What was it to Islanders? Columbus. Columbus. I think Columbus was the Islanders. No, I think you're right. No, Columbus, think, right? Yeah, I think the Islanders were Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, what about the NBA? Obviously, we don't know. But what about NBA? Do you think the Lakers take it? Clips or Milwaukee or Raps? Man, Who oh, I man. Like, I, the Raps are sneaky good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so. I think the Raps. It's gonna be difficult, but I think the Raps. Could, 
could definitely get the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and to beat Milwaukee with Giannis and without having, you know, Kawhi still there, that might be a bit of a stretch. Who knows, though? The point, they're, as far as teams are concerned, that's probably the best team um, as far as guys being able to spread out the offense. Yeah. Pascal Siakam has grown so much. Uh, I don't see them winning the NBA championship again, unfortunately. Uh, I would love it if they did, at least got to the finals. Um, for me, I, I don't know who's going to win, but I just can't wait for our Lakers, Clippers. They, they, we got to get that. Yeah. We definitely have to get that. And I still think LeBron's playing at a completely different level. Um, but when you look at that Clippers team, they're so deep. Yeah. They're so deep. And so I would think they would have some trouble uh, the Lakers beating the Clippers in a seven-game series, if that's what it came down to. If it's less than that, then I don't know. Uh, but I think it's one of those LA teams that's going to win the win, uh, the championship. Yeah, I, I really I was looking forward to that. Hopefully they can make that happen uh, some way. So if you had to choose one one sport to come back, it just, we just we, we can only have one. Which one do you pick? NBA. NBA, NBA. yes, as, as well. I love yeah. the NFL. Uh, what's something that uh, would surprise you, people, about you that – People might not know. Something that would surprise people. Yeah. Um, cool hobbies? Or are you doing good question. You bake your, what was your grandma's uh, donuts? With oh, the yeah, I was baking. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my new hobby. Uh, <laughs> Natasha and I have been baking. Um, I, actually, I actually cook quite a bit. That's probably something that people wouldn't know. I, I was messing around like I don't cook and bake. I said don't bake. Cook. Um, so that's something I do do. I, I work out here. Here's what I work out a lot, actually. Okay. But people wouldn't know that because they look at me and they're like, this guy is skinny fat. And so <laughs> I may not be getting the results that I need to be getting, but I definitely, like, I love, I have a strong passion for working out, just kind of staying healthy. And, um, so that's one of the things like on Instagram, I'm always like checking out different fitness people and, and, um, you know, uh, nutrition and this and that. And I feel like my, my goal is when I'm, 40 to be fitter than I was when I was 30. Um, got to cut out the boots if I'm going to do that, but uh, I do love, I do love uh, working out and just kind of staying fit, again, which would make some people laugh because they're looking at it like, you haven't touched the weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I hear you, man, man. I haven't missed a meal in two months. I got no calves. There's problems. I got no calves, man. I work on my legs. I got, I, I got brown guy calves. People <laughs> just rip me all the time for my calves. Yeah. And so, <laughs> guy cat. That reminds, me, uh, reminds me of my buddy Irfan that we grew up playing hoops with. He's my neighbor too. We played hoops all the time with the, you know, the calves, the brown calves. That's, you know, that's amazing. Um, disease, man. Who's the best? Who's the best dressed at? Uh, who's the best dressed? You're a good dresser, man. You're a good dresser. Who's the best dressed at ESPN or TSN? Ooh, um, TSN. I would mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, no, we got some good dresses, but I'm going to take that title out here, man. Um, at ESPN, man, there's some, there's some good dressers, man. Uh, Ryan Clark, a real great dresser. Victor uh-huh. Cruz, you know, he brings it during the NFL season. Uh, who else? There's some really, we have some unique, different styles here. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, Ryan and Victor are probably right at the top of the list there as far as guys who are... Uh, you know, real good dresses and sharp dresses. Sweet. You got to love that wardrobe budget going to ESPN, I bet. 
No comment. <laughs> no, no, no comment. I already know. A rhetorical question. Uh, and the last one, Cabby, I was asking him, he's like, were you more drunk at the 2010 Olympics or your wedding? Oh, <laughs> the 2010 Olympics, you said? That's what he said. Yeah, were you more? He's like, asking were you more no, drunk? No, you know what? I didn't even get to the 2010 Olympics. I was still in Winnipeg. I was working, man. I couldn't I couldn't get to Vancouver. I had no vacation time. It was, it was one of the biggest regrets of my life. I should have just called him sick or quit or something. But, uh, uh, it would have to be my wedding. Yeah, I remember parts of my wedding, uh, <laughs> but I remember everything from 2010 Olympics, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, depending on the way you look at it. That's, a, that's a big deal. Cabby's seen me out a couple of times. Me and Cabby hung out a couple of times. So, uh, Throw my ass in the bus, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, man, I really uh, appreciate you answering all these questions, chatting hoops. Um, again, huge congratulations, you know, a guy like me seeing, Thanks, seeing you move up the way and taking the time. It's, uh, it's inspiring, um, uh, to see you doing so well. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, I love watching you and, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. No, I appreciate it, man. And, and all the best to you too. I, uh, I like what you're doing here and, uh, if you need anything down the line, you let me know. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that a lot. All right. All right. Take care, man. All right. You as well. Take care.